First Thessalonians chapter 4. When you get there, take one part of your, um, your bulletin and you're going to put it in Psalm chapter 1. We will be hitting many different places today. So hopefully you brought your track shoes for your fingers today. Lots of different verses. Today will be an interesting day um, conversation. So um, pray for the pastor. So everybody got that? First Thessalonians chapter four. Awesome. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, this morning for um, just again the opportunity to get together as a group as a group of Christians, Lord, as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, as, as believers of all ages, God, in this, in this room this morning, Lord. And um, we're so thankful for, for your word, um, for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that goes out before us, Lord, that comforts us and teaches us and, and corrects us, Lord. Um, Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be a, amongst us and in us today, this morning. Um, and God, that we would know that your presence is here and Again, as I prayed twice, Lord, where conviction is needed, where um, that Lord, that you would convict, Father, and um, the Father, that you would speak through um, me this morning, that they would not be my words, Lord, um, that your grace would even be even greater upon me um, as I need it, Lord, this morning. Um, so, Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word, and we uh, pray for this message. We ask this in your name. Amen. First Thessalonians 4. Verse 1 says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us now, how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles, who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, who he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so toward all brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we command you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. And so finally then, brethren, we urge, he urges, and, and finally is, is kind of, it's a word now that he's, he's drawing his attention to something else. As we move into chapter 4, like I said last week, um, and it really does, it's kind of nice to be able to teach a couple weeks in a row, but um, as we, we spoke about last week is, is that it was kind of like an introduction. It was like a three-chapter introduction as Paul is, is writing this letter to, to the, the church of Thessalonica uh, that he was just kind of an introduction, things that he cared about the church, encouragement about the church, um, nothing really as far as a, a massive purpose, as far as a, a correction. As you notice, a lot of the letters that he writes to different churches, there's, there's a problem within the church. If you read the, the, the book of 1 Corinthians, there's, a, there's problems within the church that he's trying to correct. I mean, there, there was massive problems that were going on in that church. So now as we've, we've kind of moving into chapter 4, it's, it's, it's finally, Paul is drawing attention to something else. He's like, like, this is the first part of what I've told you. But finally, here we go as we move into the next one. And he urges and he's, and he's exhorting them. He's requesting earnestly. He's begging them. He's like, look, please listen to the things that I'm about to say to you. And he says the same thing to the Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship this morning. He says, Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship, brethren, I urge you and I exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, that you should grow more and more, that you should increase in excellence more and more, that you should that you should not stop growing. Because see, all the things that they had been doing, they had been doing very well. And, and, but he's saying, look, don't, don't stop. Continue the growth. I want you to abound. I want you to increase. I want you to, if you ever heard Gail Irwin, it was abounding, if you've ever heard him speak, you know. Um, 
I'm, I'm he's about this wide, about this tall, but and about 40 years older than me. But he's a much better speaker. But like, wish we had him here. But he's he, abounding. You know, just one of those words that he would say that you just remember forever. As even as I was reading it this week, I was like, every time I got to him, I was like, abounding. He wants you to increase. He wants you, Christian, not to stop growing. Well, then, Kevin, well, how do, I, how do I do that? How do I, Paul, how do I not stop growing within my walk? Well, then turn over to Psalm chapter 1. Or the, if you turn over there real quick, Psalm 1. And this is a wonderful psalm. This is one of the, the best psalms. I mean, if you had to pick one, this is one of them. You know, 119 is a pretty good one. And um, bless you. It's the Holy Spirit right there. It's coming out of her. It was just, it was so exciting. So Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So you're not walking around. Don't walk around with the ungodly. That's the first thing that he's saying here. Don't do that. If that's how you're living your life, well, then you're, it's going to be hard for you to grow within Christ. Okay? I'm not saying that you only work with Christians, that you only um, attend Christian events. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying as you walk around in life, if your close friends are ungodly, well, then guess what that's going to do to your walk? It's going to lead you into temptation. It's going to lead you into areas that you're going to be ungodly as well. I've testified to that. I, I did that when I first became a Christian. I was still hanging out with all my old friends and doing a lot of the old things that I used to do. Well, it's not very Christian-like. And so you're, you're just miserably uncomfortable because you're uncomfortable that night hanging with them going... I really shouldn't be here and doing the things that I'm doing. Then you wake up the next morning to go to church and you're like, gosh, I feel horrible. And then you're in church and I'm like, I just feel miserable of all the things that... So it's like I'm never happy because I was walking with the ungodly. Well, then he's saying, don't do that. Don't walk with the ungodly. Don't stand in the path of sinners. Don't stand and have conversations with the sinners and just talking at the water cooler or wherever that you're hanging out with and saying, look, oh yeah, I can't believe that. And having all those ungodly conversations... Remove yourself from those things. Get out of the way of those things that you're not part of it. Be in the world, but not of the world. So you can still go get coffee, but just when you have that conversation, you, because you're living a life that's so holy, they should be the ones that are uncomfortable. They should be the ones that stop having those conversations. When I worked at UPS a long, long time ago, um, the guys actually on the belt would apologize if they cussed in front of me. I mean, it wasn't me that they were apologizing. They were apologizing to the Lord, but they didn't understand that it was just, and again, it wasn't my holiness, me, myself, but it was the fact that I had given my life over to the Lord and I was living in such a manner that they, and if you've been around UPS, here's words every once in a while, um, and, 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 but they would actually apologize to me. Oh, Kevin, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that in front of you. Well, because I wasn't standing in that, that, that area. I wasn't walking in that council. And so the next thing is don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Do you sit and gossip? I went to, I can't say where because we live in a small town. But anyways, a, a place, and I was sitting around these two ladies, and they, I felt dirty when I left because they had just gossiped about every single person that they worked with. I was like, to the point where I was like, I feel dirty, and I didn't even say a word. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to go home and take a bath or something because they were just cackling, and they were going, and they were not quiet. I'm like... Do you, does any, I mean, your people work here. I mean, they can walk around and see you right now and you're just cackling and going off right now about everybody that you work with. I mean, I feel bad for these people, you know, that they're, that they're sitting there and I like these two ladies, but it's like, wow, what are you saying about me when I leave? You know, you're like, oh, Kevin, we love you. You're great. Oh, I can't believe Kevin. I mean, he's just like this and that. I mean, you just know what's coming out of their mouth. As soon as I walk out the door, it's like, there goes, you know, I just got drug under the rug. But that's what they do. So, so he's saying, blessed is the man. Now, blessed is the man is not who does these things, who does not do these things. But this person, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Do we delight in the law? Do you delight in the law that you can only do 45 miles an hour? Do you delight in the law that you can't eat in certain foods? Do you delight in the law when the Lord says, no, don't do this. I want you to do that. But no, I really want to do that. Well, no, I've asked you to do something else. Do you delight in those things? No, you don't delight in those things all the time. But as the Lord continues to work in your heart and you say, you know what? I know that the Lord has my, my best in his mind. I need to send, understand that I need to go into that and I need to relax in that and understand the Lord is, is ultimately sovereign 
and I need to submit to what he's asked me to do. That's where the delight comes from. The delight comes from where if you do eat healthy, you feel better and you live longer. Now, again, you can't have cheesecake every single night, which would be awesome, would it not? I mean, that would be great. But then I would be four or 500 pounds up here, you know, and I'd be breathing heavy and I couldn't, my blood pressure would be through the roof and, and everything else. And well, that's not the proper way to live as well. So there needs to be moderation. So last night I had cheesecake, but I won't have cheesecake tonight and I won't have cheesecake for another few weeks or so because again, I, I like it. But again, I have to watch what I eat. I have to delight within the law of the Lord. Well, even greater than that, and Reggie gave me a great um, illustration one time when he was talking to the kids because we love football, because everybody should. They, um, he said, one of the reasons that you like football is that there are rules within football, right? I mean, if somebody runs out of the bounds, the play stops. And you know that. The play stops because the man ran out of the bounds. Now, if he ran out of bounds, ran up into the fourth row, ran down about five sections, and then ran back out and said, touchdown, you'd be like... That's cheating. You can't do that. Oh, no, no. I had different law. You know, I had different rules of the game. No, that's cheating. That's wrong. You can't do that. Once you run out of bounds, play stopped. Okay, that's it. And then the time stops because we're running a two-minute, you know, fast. Never mind. So you got to catch on. Four weeks, people. Four weeks. So, so he says, you know, delight in the law of the Lord. We delight in football, the rules of football, because it makes the game. We understand that there's certain things that have to happen. So he says, you delight in the law of the Lord and in the law and in his law, he meditates day and night. And again, it goes back to what I talked about last week. If we exceedingly prayed day and night, night and day. Now, if we meditate in his law day and night, if we constantly are thinking about his law, man, how much better would our lives be? How much better would our, our attitudes in life be? Our personalities be? Because we understood and the law was actually part of who we were. Again, as you walked into a room, it wouldn't be Kevin walking into a room. It would be the Lord, and it would be Jesus Christ, and it would be his law walking into a room. So that light automatically walked into that dark place, and people would have to make a decision. There's nothing wrong with having people make a decision of whether they understand it or not, that they're like, I'm either going to, because this light is here right now, and it's shining pretty bad, I'm either going to sin and know that it's sin, or I'm going to come to the light of what's coming on. So again, so as I meditate and as I live my daily life, I'm almost a gospel that's walking around. I don't have to present the gospel. I can just live the gospel. And people automatically will be drawn to it or they'll be repelled to it. That's fine. Either way, it's fine. Because again, it talks in Revelation that Jesus says, look, you were neither hot nor cold, but you were lukewarm. Lukewarm is worse. Now, if you're hot for the Lord, that's awesome. Hey, praise the Lord, we're all saved. you know. But if you're cold then that's cool too because God's like, I can work with somebody who's cold. Have you ever been at that lowest point in your life where you're like, I had nowhere to go but up? That's fine because you were cold. You were ice cold. I mean, you were like Antarctica cold. You were like dropping your thing on the ground cold. I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> so um, it, but that's fine. The Lord's like, I can work with somebody who is ice cold because they're going to look to me because I'm the way and the truth and life. Everybody knows that. But when you're in the middle... And you're like, I've got just enough of God and I've got just enough of the world. Well, I, I, I don't feel like I need God because, well, I got money in the bank, so I don't need God now for my bills. And I've got a relationship, so I'm kind of cool with that. But I still kind of want to go to church because I want everybody to kind of see me there and I kind of feel good when I go to church. So you're, you're lukewarm. Or it's like, I'll spit you out. You ever have lukewarm water? It's like disgusting. You're like, what is this? It, it's nasty. You want that ice cold water when you've been working outside. Guys like, I can work with somebody like that. But you have to meditate day and night within that. And then that person shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing to be said about you that you're planted by the river, that you so, your roots are so deep within the Lord that no matter what happens, man, I am firm. I am established and I'm walking with God. And I think a lot of that has to do with what the church of Thessalonica is here. He was only there for a short term, but yet he was able to pour so much into this young church that they were walking and they got it and they understood it. And as we've gone through the first three chapters, he's like, look, I, you, you got it. You're wonderful. And he says, look, I, I, I urge you and I exhort you to abound, to grow into this. But yet I still have to give you warnings and I still have to 
let you know that there's things that are out there that you may not know or you might be tempted to do. And so as we move into verse 3, <coughs> excuse me, it says, for this is the will of God. For this is the will of God. Where Everybody's looking for the will of God, okay? This is one of those things right here. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. What is sanctification? Does anybody know? Sanctification? And hush goes over the church. Hmm? Set apart, what else? Purify. Anybody else? Hmm? Ross? Walking holy. See, Russell Point should just he should sit up here because he like, knows all the answers. So, so yes, yeah, so you're walking. All of you guys are right. Walking holy is is one of the you're going to walk holy. So when you get saved, there's a there's salvation. Okay, as we've been going through the book of Romans, there's salvation when you get saved. Then the rest of your life is sanctification. Okay, you're walk you're you're getting holier and you're getting holier and you're oh hopefully <laughs> hopefully you guys are getting holier and you're working things out of your life that shouldn't be there and you're, you're correcting those things and you're, and you're just kind of picking those things off and that's called sanctification. And then one day when we all go to heaven, that's called glorification. You'll have a glorified body, everything will be perfect, I'll have hair, all that kind of stuff. I won't have to draw the beard and all that kind of stuff. So, so we'll, we'll, all be, we'll eat cheesecake every night. I mean, all that kind of stuff, okay? So everything is going to be wonderful in heaven, okay? But we're not there yet, okay? We're still being sanctified. All right, some of us more sanctified than others. And, and as we're walking through this process, as we continue through life, he said, look, this is the, the will of the Lord, that your, your sanctification. And, and that's why I'm, I'm worried for you. And that's why I'm, t- I'm telling you guys this morning is that I'm worried for you for your sanctification. I desire each one of you in this room to walk a holy life, to walk a pure life, a life that, that would be honoring unto God, a, a, a life that would be Psalm chapter 1, that you would be known for the actions that you do, that you would not be walking in the, that council of the world and standing with them and sitting with them. And I, I fear that the church, as I have talked about the, the relationship with the homosexual community, that there were so many issues within the church that need to be corrected before we start pointing our fingers at them, that I think that this is one of those areas. I think if Paul was here today, he'd be saying the same thing to us. He'd be saying, look, for your, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. And you say, well, Kevin, you said the S word in the church. I did. Okay? I'm worried about the sexual immorality of the church, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage and defraud his brother in this matter. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the fun topic of sexual immorality within the, I believe, within the church, but obviously within the world on, on a whole. So that's where we're at today. So, so we understand what, what, the, what sanctification is, but what is the will? The will here says that it, it's a command, it's a precept. It's something, it's a command or principle intended, especially a general rule of action. So as he's sitting there and he's talking to us, he said, look, this is the action, this is the general rule that you guys should understand that God's desire for us is to remain pure. Okay, a pure church, as we talked about, you know, as we have talked about, as one day Christ is going to come and he's going to be um, the the groomsman and the groom, and we're going to be the bride of church, the the bride of of Christ. Okay, so we're going to come in, we're going to be the bride of Christ. We're going to be pure and holy and acceptable for him. But I think before that, the church needs to be living that lifestyle now here on earth. Is that correct? I mean, we all would agree on that, saying, yes, Kevin, we all agree upon that. So abstain from sexual immorality. And I'm going to kind of go down each one of these little words as we go through it um, so that you kind of have a bigger understanding of what Paul's saying. So he's saying to abstain, okay, abstain from sexual immorality. Abstain. We are called to hold oneself off, to refrain. Okay, so if you take that word and you put that in there, because I like to write in my Bible, and if you guys don't, uh, except for Brian, you guys are, are not saved, okay? Brian doesn't like to write in his Bible. But he is a note taker. You guys should be all note takers, so don't make fun of Brian. So, so you, you need to be abstain. You need to, to, um, to refrain from. Now, he's not saying, he didn't say refrain from all sex, did he? No, he didn't say that at all. He said refrain from, okay, so we're going to hold back. We're going to hold ourselves away um, from, from sexual immorality. Well, Kevin, well, what is sexual immorality? I think you guys know, but we're going to go ahead and answer all those questions for you. So fornication, unlawful sexual intercourse, any sexual relation outside of marriage. Okay, these are not all different terms that you guys haven't heard before. These aren't all just ideas that I'm just springing on you today. 
But we understand the fact of, we talk a lot about it in the media today. It's in every movie that you watch. But he's saying, look, I'm asking you to stay away from, refrain from any sexual relation outside of the marriage compact. Okay, so we're, we're not supposed to do that. I mean, that's, so you say, well, Kevin, well, where is that in the Bible? Okay, we hear that a lot today. We, we hear it on Facebook a lot, people misquoting scripture. We see uh, a lot in the Bible too that they say, well, the Bible never says this. Okay, well, here, let's, we'll start off. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers of God will be judged. So right there he starts off and says, <coughs> Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. The marriage bed is undefiled. So he's saying, look, if you're within a marriage setting, then, then go ahead. Okay, again, I'm not against sex. Sex is awesome. Okay, I'm, I'm there with you. Okay, so... All one, all high five for that. But he's saying, look, within the marriage setting, that's where it's, it's undefiled. You, if you're married, then yes, then go ahead. If you are not, then he's saying, no, you can't do that. You need to hold yourself back. Again, going back to that there's the laws that we're supposed to walk by, then, then you can't walk along with the, the world. Well, the world says that I can do this. Well, that, again, that is the world. And we're not supposed to be doing those things. We're not supposed to be of the world. Why don't you guys turn over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, that would be to the right. I felt I was talking fast last week. I feel like I'm talking even faster, but worship went long, so. Really long. It was good, but it was really long. No, I was kidding. Everybody there, James chapter 1, verse 13 says, let no one say when he is tempted, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each of us, of is, each one of us is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it's, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. So he says, don't look. We say, well, well, Kevin, I had to because I was tempted. I can't control myself in those areas. Well, no, you weren't tempted by God. Well, if I wasn't tempted by God, then who was I tempted by? The world, Satan, myself, the flesh. I mean, those are the people that are tempting you into that. So you can say, well, I had no choice because, you know, I was tempted and, and I, can't, I can't hold back from those urges. Those urges are inside me. And God gave me those urges. Oh, God gave you those urges. And again, but if you're tempted... And, and he's already said that it's only to be done within this setting. Well, then who is tempting you? Well, then I'm not going to follow along with the world. I'm not going to follow along with Satan. I need to define different marching orders and stay when God has commanded. Okay, so it's, it's not a difficult thing. Again, and again, we find lots of excuses. And, and each one of us is tempted every single day. Don't say, well, Kevin, you're married. Uh, it's not fair. I'm still a man, though. I'm still, I still have eyes. I still have things within inside me. I still have sin within inside me that there are still times when I am, I am, I'm still tempted to do different things. I'm still tempted to look at people. I tell, but I'm open with my wife too and say, I've told her many times, I'm like, you know, it's amazing that you can't even go to Target during the summertime. You can't even go, just go to Target and not have the temptation where, where women are dressed in certain ways that you're not wanting to look at, at a certain person. I mean, and I'm married, and I'm standing next to my wife, but yet the way that people dress, and I'm not saying, again, it's not that person's fault. She's wearing clothes, so it's not like she's walking around with so, But it's me. It's not her. It's me having to say, okay, I need to, to reset my focus here and understand of what, what am I wanting to do? Do I want to sit there and gaze and gawk and, and commit sin? Well, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, part of me wants to, but I can't do that because, again, I need, to, I need to follow within the laws of what God has asked me to do. So then I need to then pray and I need to redirect the, my, my vision of what I'm looking at. Okay, so, but, but part of it is being honest with yourself. You can't sit there and go, well, no, Kevin, I don't struggle with that. Anybody going to say that this morning? You don't raise your hand, okay? No, no, don't raise your hand. But, but, and we can laugh about it, but, but, the, but the truth of the matter is, is that it's real. And the only people that know about it would be you and it would be the Lord. Okay, but that doesn't make it right because sin is still sin. And we'll get that to us in a second, whether you, you actually act upon it or you don't act upon it. It's still sin. The next verse that we've got, and I can go all day on these. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life 
is not of the Father, but is of the world. So if all of this, all that has of the world, the lust of the flesh, we all know what the lust of the flesh is. I mean, it can either be a, a sexual desire, or it can be things that you see outside. I mean, it can be lust of the flesh there, the lust of the eyes, of things that you're looking at, whether it be the person of the other sex, or it could be an awesome truck that's pulling out down there with really nice rims. I mean, it can be all those different things. Okay, lust of, it's all just lust, it's desire. Or it can be the pride of life. And we all understand what pride is. You ever watch LeBron James? You know what the pride of life is, okay? He is so boastful in himself that he's risen above that he has the chosen one tattooed on his back, okay? Trump, Donald Trump says bread. I didn't say that, Donald Trump, in case he's listening and becomes president and then closes us down. It was Brett Fuller. So, just kidding. So, that's a different subject. I don't want to get... Yeah, so. But not Corinne, it was just Brett. So... Is not of the Father, it's of the world. So all those things there, so you say, well, they're just naturally within me. Well, those are, those are desires and that's, that's lust, but it's not of the Father. Because again, the Father, if you go back up to Hebrews 13, 4, it says, the marriage is honorable among all and the bed is un- marriage bed is undefiled. So again, within that setting, anything goes there. Anything outside of that is, is, is lust and it's sin and it's wrong. And, and, and I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm sorry now because I'm married for you guys, but it's, it's, it's still a wonderful thing to be striving for because it's, it's not the only thing that's within life. Life is not just waking up, eating, and then having desires for sex. Life is waking up and relationships and, and honoring God and meditating on his word day and night, and then allowing the Lord to then re- refocus the, your, your directions and the principles that you're living by. But see, the world has completely changed it. The world has completely changed it. If you look at, I was, we were at the mall la- last night, and there was these two girls, must have been 12, I don't know, something around there, okay? Walking around with Victoria's Secrets boxes, you know, bags, okay, by themselves, okay? So now I know they sell other things there, okay? I'm not ignorant to the fact of what it is. But they, very easily, but the purpose was, again, that that whole society, that whole image has changed. Because when you, you, you grow up and you think, well, I have to look a certain way to be able to be accepted. I have to watch a certain show and I have to do certain things. And that's what the world has done through, through entertainment, through, through Hollywood. That's what they do through, through magazine covers. I mean, I, I, I feel terrible for women because when you look at a magazine cover, the magazine cover tells you how you should look when those very women don't look the same way. I mean, those same women don't look like that in real life, but they've airbrushed them and they've made them look a certain way and they make them dress in a certain way. So one that it entices men to look at it, I need to strive to be this so that I can be a, somebody that's attracted, somebody can be attracted to me from what I look on the outside. And then men look at it and go, well, I can only marry or I can only have a desire for somebody who looks like that. Well, that's not real life. That's not real world. And many of us who are married will attest to that, that that's not real. I mean, that, that woman, you know, as much as I love Christine, is not the woman that I married, nor could she ever be that person, unless she was on a magazine cover and they doctored her up and everything else and made her look like that through, through computer imagery and all that other stuff. It just doesn't happen. Okay, I'm not Tom Brady who's able to marry, you know, whatever her name is. I don't even know her. Who did he marry? I don't even know, but I'm not Tom Brady anyways. I don't have his look, so... Or $69 million or whatever they had. So I'm, I'm not Tom Brady on any... I'm just depressed now. Why did I even say that? No. So it has nothing to do with, with any of those images because that is what they have done. They sit there and say, you must have a, marry this kind of person. You must desire only this. And guess what, people? It is the only thing that you can focus on because that's the only way that they sell anything. You can't even watch a commercial today without having those images within the commercial. Why? Because we all know the word. Because blank sells. Exactly. You all always sex sells. And that's why they do it even within commercials. So you can't get away from commercials. You can't watch TV shows or movies. We, Christine and I, last couple of weeks, we didn't have kids a couple of weekends. And we watched just old 50s and 60s movies. And it was amazing. None of that stuff was in there. They might have kissed a few times and stuff like that because that happens in real life. But it was amazing that that wasn't the only thing. The whole purpose of the movie wasn't just for them to do that. 
The whole purpose of the movie was still to laugh and to, to have a relationship and to joke and to have... I mean, it was amazing the difference in movies. Now, I love me some Avengers and I love me some, all that whole line. Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm to the movies with you on that. But it's just amazing that that is what they continue to force down our throats. And that's what they continue to do. And it pushes us away so that now all of our lust and all of our flesh, all of our desires is only focused on one thing in life, is on that. Because that is what we're continuously bar- bombarded with. Um, we're going to see at the next one. You can look up Romans 1, 21 through 27. Write that down. And you say, well, Kevin, I haven't actually, you know, I haven't actually committed the sin. I've just, I've just thought of it. You know, I've just kind of looked at it. Well, then if you look over at Matthew 5, 27 and 28, it says Jesus speaking here. So I think this has some credibility um, so it says, you have heard that is said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I, I, Jesus, say to you that what, whoever looks to a woman, oops, see it in the way, lust of her, whoever looks at a woman, lust for her, has already committed adultery within his own heart. So he says, look, I'm, I'm setting a whole new setting here for you. It's not just the fact that you actually go and do it. Jesus says, if you've gone and looked at her and have had lust within your heart, then guess what? You've already committed the act. It's done. It's over. Why? Because in your heart, you've already done it. So he says, look, when you're at Target and you notice somebody the first time, that's going to happen, okay? But when you look back at her the second time, the third time, the fourth time, guess what? You've just, from what Jesus said, and it's not Kevin saying it, is that you've already committed adultery within your own heart. You say, well, I'm not married and she's not married. Well, one day you might be married and one day she might be married. And so you've now done that with another man's wife. Or you've, you've cheated on your wife of the future. You've already given yourself away in an area that you then can't take back. It's gone. So there's no levels to our sin. There's no level where you can say, well, I didn't actually do the deed, so therefore I'm okay. No, it's, it's all still the same. It's all sin, and it's all wrong, and it's, all still, it's an abomination to God is what he is saying here. So I ask you Christians and to, to watch it. Another one that I have, and again, I could say we could go all day, but we can't because um, you guys will get mad if we stay late. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 is another one. And if I wish I had time to go to it, I just don't. But 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, please look that up. And see, that, that when, when Paul is saying this to this, this church and to this, this, this area of the world at this time, this is shocking to the culture of the Thessalonians. Because the, the Gentiles in this area was under, I think it was Rome control at the time, and, and they, didn't, they did not hold back from those desires. Again, as I said when I opened up the, the book, that they had, they had goddesses that you were able to go and, and give sacrifice, which meant to go and lay with that woman, and you're giving to the priestess, and, and, all, and you, you're giving yourself to them as, as far as an act of worship to the, the, the sex god at that time. And so they also, within life, if a man had a desire, he was able to then go and take care of it, because that's the culture that they lived in at the time that there was no holding back so when when paul is introducing this to them it was very much uh, what you're, you're saying that we can't do these things well yes but as i've also said here already this morning that it's the same culture that we live within today guys will say well uh, i'm a guy you can't tell me i can't look again i mean all guys do you know i mean am i the only guy that's heard that before you're nodding because you don't want to raise your hand that's good it's fine. But guys will say that. See, ladies don't know this conversation, but guys will say that. Well, I'm a guy. I mean, I, I, I mean, all guys do it, don't they? You, know, you say it just like that, too. You know, it's, of course, we all do. I mean, we all say it. We all do it. I mean, come on. We're guys. We can't control that. That's how we were made. You know, that's how we're made up. And, well, no, you can control it. It's just a desire that you don't want to control it. Okay? Because you may want to go and punch somebody in the face, but you don't do that. Why? Because... He might punch back or I might get arrested. I mean, so you, you have the ability to control yourself. It's just you're picking and choosing areas of which you desire to control and not to, con- to control. And then we have the, the media in, in the world that, just, that is just so excited for the fact that, that, that sexual liberation has happened. And, and you guys remember the 70s and how wonderful the 70s were because it opened up everybody's eyes and we were able to do things and there was women's rights that happened and and, and again, that's wonderful. I'm not coming down on that. And, and, and um, the fact of you know, Martin Luther King back in the 60s and just how the, the America was changing. Well, within that, too, was the sexual revolution. And CNN had an article <clears throat> from a, an editor or somebody. I don't know who she is, but um, 
I don't like her, so it doesn't really matter. So whoever this person is, she wrote an article. And, and so there was also sexual liberation, um, uh, which had something to do with women liberating themselves in the bedroom too, but had much to do with loosening norms around sex. In 1960, and she's boastful in this, okay? In 1960, half of 19-year-old women who were unmarried had not yet had sex. But by the late 1980s, as Nancy Cohen pointed out, two-thirds of all women had done the deed by age 18. So two-thirds of all women by 1980, as she puts it, had done the deed. Okay, so she's, she's excited about this. She's happy about this. She's, uh, how wonderful this is that children, and I'm sorry I'm calling you children this morning, for young adults who are not adults, who don't have the mental capacity to understand everything that goes into this, she's excited that these children are doing things that are meant for adults to do. And she's glorious in it. What? Well, why do you think that when we have rules and we have understandings, it's not to just confine people so that they don't have joy and they don't have fun. It's the fact that sometimes you're just not ready for those responsibilities. You know, a lot of us have, you know, either family members or friends who have had children out of wedlock and, and maybe, you know, while they were still teenagers or just young adults just starting out and how much harder it is for them just to understand what the concept of having a child, but then also all the responsibilities that go with it. So, I mean, if you're, if you're old enough to do the deed, as she states here, well, then do you understand really what's going to go along with that once you have a child and the responsibility with that? Now, again, on the other side of that, the world just says, well, you know, it's not a baby. It's not a human. Just go have an abortion. Go get rid of it and take care of it. And again, I'm not going to get into that because with everything that's going down, I mean, that's another hour, which we don't have. So I don't want to get in that whole side of it as well. But the fact of the matter is, it's not the fact that we're saying that God is saying that hold it back and don't do it because it's too much fun and we don't want you to have fun. He's saying that you're not ready for the responsibilities and you don't have an understanding as far as all the emotions that go involved with this as well. So when Paul is talking to the church and as we're talking this morning, and there's more to her article, whatever you want to call it, that I'm not going to read, but, um, but the, the, the ultimate thing here is that Satan comes involved in this and Satan, Satan wants to encourage us to have sex outside of marriage, but meanwhile, on, this, on the flip side, he wants to discourage marriage sex within the marriage. Do you ever notice that within a relationships? He's, he's, Satan is encouraging all these people to have sex outside of marriage, but then once you get marriage, married, he then starts tempting each one of you, well, the other person's not good enough. The other person can't do this. The other person can't fulfill you like such and such could fulfill you. I mean, that person's really great and they'll meet all of your needs. And so it's like it's a never-ending battle between Satan and us to be able to say, well, no, that person is the one that's for you but, oh, no, you're married now? No, no, now it's a different person. We want to have this person over here. That, that person will really be the one for you. And we just follow along. You know, just the cattle to the, oh, where do you want us to go? Yes, we'll do that. Why? Because, well, again, I can't control those emotions, Kevin. God placed those emotions within me. Stop it. And I, and I, and I prefaced this whole thing this morning, and I knew it was going to be a difficult conversation. But the fact is that we need to have self-control within each one of us. And again, I, I find it terrible and I found it condemning that we as a church, again, would look at other people in the gay society and cast a, a finger at them when there are three fingers pointing right back at us within sexual immorality. We have um, adultery. We have alcoholics. We have drugs. And again, those are all sins. I'm not saying don't come to the church, but I'm saying work on those areas as a church and correct those areas. Because then if we are the light of the world, then that light will shine so bright that everybody who wants to do those other things will say, we can't do those things because it's unholy. And we see a church that's actually living by it. But the church is too, too drugged up and too out of this, out of the, what, the, what the Lord wants us to do to be able to focus on what he has us to do. And yet we're still back on ourselves. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where he says, come to the Lord you know, ask for salvation and then go live however you want to live your life. Show me in the Bible where it says that. It doesn't say that. It says, come and give me your life and then we're to go and make, be crucified with Christ. We're going to change our lives and we're supposed to, to live as a sacrifice unto him. That's what the Bible says. But again, we're so worried about, well, I have rights and I want to do this. It's wonderful that you have dreams and you have desires. And I'm saying to pray through those things. 
But I'm saying live as a holy church and as a holy Christian so that, that the Lord can look at you and use you. And that's really where it comes down to. It comes down to a fact of, of being humble and being honest. And if you struggle with this area, it's a struggle. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go to heaven, but it means that just like if you had any other sin within this church, I would say, come and let's pray about it. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's get on our knees before God and ask him to then come into our lives so he can kind of steer us away from those other things. And if you have those temptations, then you need to find somebody. You need to write scripture verses down. You need to have yourself just surrounded with the word of God so that you're not tempted to do those things. Temptation is one thing, but again, the follow through is on you. The follow through is on you. We're all tempted in this room. Jesus was tempted, but it's on us not to follow through with the sin. I've gotten through three verses. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. And the vessel here that he's talking about is, is our, own, our own bodies. It's to show self-control. And to, to the vessels that we have here, we already talked about sanctification. It's talking about being separate from evil things, to live a pure and holy life. And he's saying, look, you need to be able to, have, to honor your own vessels within this. I mean, I, I joked around last week that we all love ourselves. I mean, do you love yourselves enough to, to say no, that I don't want that sin within my life. And I'm going to, to, to set myself apart separately. Youth that are in this room this morning, it's an uncomfortable conversation as everybody's looking down. I get it. I was uncomfortable praying about it this week going, wow, I got to teach what? You know, where's PD this week? But the fact is, do you love yourself enough to say, no, I'm going to Look at my own vessel and say that I'm going to be pure until that day. I'm going to be pure when, when that special person comes within my life. Whether you're a girl and it's, your husband comes along, you're a guy and your wife comes along. Many of you know that I had a, I took Jonathan away for the talk back in um, February. I think it was February or March. Um, and we went away for a weekend and had a conversation. I'll talk about it because he's not here. Um, just joking. But um, we... We had the talk, and, and, and one of the things, the hard part of it was, is that I had to, I, I was very open with my son. And I had to tell him, look, you know, between the two of us, your mother and I, um, your mother lived the right life. And she lived you the life that I'm, I'm telling you to live right now. Um, I, on the other hand, didn't. And I was able to explain to him some of the falls that I had in my life. And, and, and how embarrassing it was to him you know, I'm sure, but it's more embarrassing to me to sit there and be honest before my son and say, look, I'm asking you to live, you know, I think it's Bill Bennett who talks about, you know, raise your, raise your boys to be better men than you. And I said, Jonathan, I want you to be a better man than I was. And I want you to be a better husband than I am. And I want you to, to, to be a better man for God than I am. But, but ultimately it starts with this. And I say that for, for guys, especially because I'm a guy and I understand guys, um, that it's something, it's a seed that will hide there forever. It's a seed that's within your heart and within your desires that'll be there forever. And, and I, don't, I don't say it for girls because I don't know how girls work. Um, I got a daughter and she's not quite there yet, which is thankful. But, um, but I'm sure the same seed is there. I'm sure the same desire is there. But then that seed can then continue to grow. And as we become adults and all of us in this room have the same desires and have the same falls and pitfalls and so as he's saying here again that you should know how to possess your own vehicle your own vessel in sanctification and honor not in passion of lust like the gentiles like the rest of the world like the rest of america does that you guys would be set apart and you would be separate and you would be holy and you would be pure and that's the way that god wants us a lot of you guys know the movies that are out today the 50 shades of gray um, and, and as that, that whole line and that whole area of movies progressed, just like we saw with like the vampires and the witchcraft and stuff like that, that opened up a whole little side. This is going to do the same thing in, in Hollywood because they made a ton of money off of it. So this, whoever she is, I think she's a, she wrote a book and she wrote several after that. I'm sure they're going to come out with a 50 shades of grade two and three or whatever because they'll continue to make money off of it. But then again, it, it, again, it twists and it diverts what our younger people and what 
single adults think that marriage should be like or that non-marriage should be like or that this is the way that I should live. And then Paul, quickly, Paul goes on to, in, chapter, in verse 6 and says that no one should take advantage and defraud his brother of this matter. And what he's talking about there and kind of what I took about from here is that no one should take advantage and defraud his brother um, quite honestly as far as you know, promiscuity, promiscuity and, um, and, and, and your virginity. It's important to remain and keep those things in line so that you are pure before the Lord and that you're pure when you go to get married. And, and, and I know that that's not a very popular statement today in, in the world, but I say it's the right one. It's the perfect one. It's the way that God designed it. And you can't show me the Bible and say that, no, Kevin, you're wrong. I'm happy to have that conversation with you after church. But I know that that's the way that it's been designed. And I know that that's the way that it works out better. I'll try to hurry up here because the Lord is the avenger. Well, why do Paul gives three reasons not to do these things? Well, one, the Lord is the the avenger. The Lord is going to be the one that goes about and and takes care of of those who, as we've read in these other verses, that the Lord will be the judge of these people. For number two, it says, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. If you go back up to verse four, it says again, that to possess your own vessels in sanctification and honor that we should be better than that, that we, everybody should know the fact of who we are by how we live. I should be able to pick up your phone at any time and go through what you've been scrolling through. I should be able to go and sit at your computer, at your desk, at your home, and be able to look at it. I should be able to look at your cable bill and know what movies that you've rented. I should be able to do all those things. You should be able to do it to me too. That's the kind of holiness and purity that we should have within each other. Verse 8 says, Therefore he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. You're not rejecting man. You're rejecting God. Again, it's not a point where you ever come to him and say, Look, Lord, this is all that I've got, but yet, you know what? I'm going to take this back. It's like giving, it's like giving you a perfect gift in life, but then saying, You know what? I'm just going to take uh, these couple little things, and you can have the rest back. The rest is not good enough for me, Lord. Your plans and desires for my life, that's, that's not really what I want. I just want a bit of salvation, a touch of grace every once in a while, and I just want to kind of go do my own thing. Thanks God for, for, thanks God for everything. Thanks God for Jesus. That's our prayer sometimes at night. Thanks God, Jesus, for you know, salvation in this house. Instead of having a real conversation and saying, Lord, there's, there's sin within my heart. And Lord, as I did communion this morning and I understand that all that you did for me, that you're willing to to take a sacrifice for me and to pour your blood out for me, are you really willing to do that? Are you willing then to go ahead and say, I'm going to be crucified with him too? Are you willing to go on the cross right now with the Lord? I won't go on to the next verses. I want to close with Alan Redpath. I was listening to him yesterday. I was mowing the yard. Um... He's dead. He wasn't actually walking with me as I was smoking the morning the yard. But um, Alan Redpath was telling a story of how he got saved. And he got saved when he was like 25 um, with this Christian that he had just been working with for years. And um, actually got, got saved because the guy, they were in a room, sharing a room one night. They were at work. Um, they had gone away for a business trip. And the guy just bluntly asked him, do you want to get saved? You know, he'd, been, he'd watched his life for so many years. He said, you know, do you want to get saved? And Ellen Redpath says, first time I've ever heard that before. And he said, yes. And he prayed the prayer and got saved and, um, and then didn't live like a saved person for many years later. He just was out drinking and he was doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing and he was doing everything that he could possibly do to get away from the Lord. He didn't want, it, he didn't want the laws. He didn't want the conviction anymore. And he said, I, the, 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 the worse it got, the, more, the worse I got. You know, God just constantly knocking on my heart and convicting me and telling me I shouldn't be doing these things. He said, so he had lunch with the guys several years later and um, he had lunch and, you know, was trying to, you know, get away from the conversation about coming up with the Lord. And, um, and his friend told him, look, you know what? You can, um, you can have a saved life and have a wasted life as well. And he said, for years... He said he just could not get that phrase out of his life, his mind. 
Save life, wasted life. Save life, wasted life. Save life, wasted life. Everything that he was doing is saved life, save life, wasted life. Save life. Every, he was going out to bars and drinking, going out to shows, doing things trying to get away. That's all, constantly, he said, I'd wake up in the morning. That's all that would come to my, my ears. And then finally he got on his knees and repented and asked the Lord to just forgive him. And he lived his life and he obviously went on to be a pastor and you know, a huge pastor at Moody Bible College. But, but I think the same thing for me this morning was so many times in my life I, the same exact phrase would go through my mind. That I can have a saved life but is it a wasted life? And, and so this morning I pray for you guys is the same thing is that don't have just a saved life. I'm going to heaven and then live a wasted life. That there's so much more that the Lord has for us and so much more that God wants from each one of us to just have a saved life and then live a, la- a wasted one. That he has so much more that he wants from each one of you within this room. Whether you're a young youth, whether you're older, whether you're older, older, however you want to describe yourself, God has so much more for you this morning than just to have a saved life and a wasted life. A saved life and a wasted life. I want us to be a church and I want you to be people that have a strong relationship with the Lord, that are humble before God, that are humble before each other, and that are just willing to come on your knees at any moment and say, God, please forgive me. Because I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy in this room. Don't live a saved life, wasted life. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning and Lord, I pray that as the words went out this morning, that God, that they were of your words, they were not mine. And yeah, I know it was a hard subject this morning, an uncomfortable subject, but um, but Lord, your word is is perfect. Your word goes out and is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. And I pray that it pierced hearts this morning, Lord, that that your word went out and where conviction was needed, God, where encouragement maybe to live that pure life was there this morning, Lord, that um, that if there's confession that needs to be made as well this morning, Lord, that that person, guy or girl, will find another brother or sister to pray with, Lord. And the Father, that kingdom business can be done this morning. That, Lord, if there's an area in our life that we're holding back from you, Lord, that we're not accepting of what your word says, then then, God, that we could find ourselves in a place of wanting to make it right with you, willing to put ourselves on that cross with you, God, and, and to offer our bodies and our lives as a sacrifice unto you. Lord, I pray that this church will not have a saved life, wasted life mentality. That, Lord, that we will see the people in our area, in our community, the God, that need Jesus so badly, so desperately, Lord that you would put a burning and a desire within each one of us, God, to to go out and preach the gospel, not just by words, but, Lord, as this church did, that they lived a life that was so known by those around them, Lord, that everybody knew that they were loved by this church. Father, just be with us the rest of this day, God. Bring us back safely next week. Lord, allow us to have stories and conversations of wonderful things that you did in and through us this week, Lord. We lift this up in your name, Lord. Amen.